There are many well-loved buildings in the world, but perhaps none has captured the public's imagination quite like the Taj Mahal. Fashioned entirely out of white marble and encrusted with jewels, it keeps watch, a silent sentinel, over the misty banks of the Yamuna River in the northern Indian state of Uttar Pradesh. But what makes this particular landmark so unique? Maybe it's the design, a shining and prevalent example of Islamic architecture in India that stood for nearly 400 years. Or maybe it's the love story that inspired its construction that continues to captivate and win the hearts of all who visit it. Commissioned by Shah Jahan, the Mughal Emperor of India, in 1632, it was built in honor of his favorite wife, Mumtaz, who had died in childbirth a year prior. Eleven years later, the main structure was complete, though it would take another decade to finish its adjacent features. Today, the Taj Mahal draws anywhere between 7 and 8 million visitors annually, who come from every corner of the globe to bask in its opulent splendor. But the questions remain. Why did Shah Jahan order such a grandiose structure be built to honor Mumtaz? Why did it take so long to complete? And how did the love story behind it elevate it to the ranks of the most beloved buildings in the entire world? I'm Chester Sakamoto, your host, and welcome to the History Loves Company podcast, because history is shaped by all of us. Among the many works of renowned late 19th and early 20th century Indian poet Rabindranath Tagore is an ode to the Taj Mahal. In it, he discusses the transience of life while celebrating the immortality of the structure itself, which, in his eyes, forever embodies the love Shah Jahan had for Mumtaz, his favorite wife. You knew, Shah Jahan, life and youth, wealth and glory, they all drift away in the current of time. You strove, therefore, to perpetuate only the sorrow of your heart, let the splendor of diamond, pearl, and ruby vanish like the magic shimmer of the rainbow. Only let this one tear drop, this Taj Mahal, glisten spotlessly bright on the cheek of time, forever and ever. Tagore does more than merely describe or offer an impression of the setting and its breathtaking beauty, inasmuch as he bears Shah Jahan's heart and soul for all to see. It's a remarkable poem, indeed, one that has become synonymous with the Taj Mahal since it was written over a hundred years ago, but even it pales in comparison to the actual story. To know and understand said actual story is to venture back to the 17th century, specifically the year 1631. Shah Jahan, born Shahab Uddin Muhammad Khuram in 1592, has ruled over India and its environs for four years. The empire over which he presides, the Mughal Empire, was established a little over a century ago by Babur, a warrior chieftain from what's now Uzbekistan. Employing help from the Ottoman and Safavid empires, in Turkey and Iran respectively, Babur and his legions swept down the Central Asian steppes and took over northern India, establishing the Mughal Empire. Babur's successors eventually took over the entire subcontinent as well as neighboring lands and territories, so that, by the 18th century, it had reached its height and greatest extent. Shah Jahan is the fifth emperor in Mughal history. He ascended to the throne in 1628 after a violent and bloody skirmish for power and control over the empire, in which he emerged victorious. His first order of business as emperor was to put to death his rivals and enemies. Though the early days of his rule were riddled with violence, history remembers Shah Jahan primarily for his ordering and overseeing of many civil projects. After all, his reign ushered in a golden age of Mughal architecture across India, the most famous example being the Taj Mahal. However, one of the most significant events of his life actually took place before he was crowned. In 1607, at just 15 years of age, the young prince became betrothed to the then 14-year-old Arjuman Banu Begum, who would one day be better known as Mumtaz Mahal, or chosen one of the palace in Persian. Mumtaz came from a respected Persian noble family, one that had been serving Mughal emperors since the late 16th century. 
The two were married five years later in 1612, when the prince had officially, according to tradition, entered into manhood, on a date carefully chosen by court astrologers as being the most conducive to ensuring a long, fruitful, and happy union. As was customary at the time, however, the young prince had also married Kandahari Begum in 1609, with whom he had his first child, and later Izunisa Begum in 1617. Though he would ultimately take six other wives, it was Mumtaz whom he truly loved, and who loved him in return, and would serve as his closest and most crucial adviser and confidant. We know this from court records, which state that his relationship with his other wives was purely political, and that they, quote, enjoyed only the status of being royal wives, unquote, while Mumtaz was given immense political power, such as being involved in affairs of state, as well as wielding the imperial seal, thus allowing her to review the final drafts of official court documents. The two would be happily married for 19 years before tragedy would strike the imperial household. On June 17, 1631, while giving birth to their 14th child, a girl, Gauhar Arabegum, Mumtaz suffered a postpartum hemorrhage, or severe blood loss, after an excruciating 30-hour labor period. She died shortly thereafter, just aged 38, devastating Shah Jahan and, according to court historians, forever altering his personality. Her body was temporarily buried in Zainabad, a pleasure garden on the banks of the Tapti River in central India. The emperor, it said, spent the better part of that year in mourning, but quickly came up with a fitting tribute to his favorite wife by commissioning the construction of a massive mausoleum complex in her honor, which he referred to as Taj Mahal, crown of the palace in Persian. He turned to his court architect, Ustad Ahmad Lahuri, who quickly drew up plans and designs for the proposed site. Shah Jahan, meanwhile, set about procuring the land for such an undertaking, settling on a muddy patch of riverbank along the Yamuna River just south of the walled city of Agra. Offering the Maharaja of Agra, Jai Singh, a large palace in the center of the town, he secured the land and, a year later in 1632, construction began. The list of materials used in the building of the Taj Mahal reads like a veritable travel guide of both India and the Asian continent. The translucent ivory-white marble that comprises much of the structure and its outlying facilities was mined in Makrana in central Rajasthan, while the jasper was brought from Punjab. Both regions are in India. Sapphire and carnelian were imported from Sri Lanka and Arabia, respectively. For crystal and jade, China was the source, and for turquoise, Tibet. Lapis lazuli was brought from Afghanistan. In all, 28 different gems and semi-precious stones were incorporated, each painstakingly inlaid into the white marble. Even more incredible, some 22,000 workers, stonecutters, painters, laborers, and embroidery artists were hired to mold the Taj Mahal into shape. Some 1,000 elephants were brought in as well to transport the building materials. Not since the raising of the pyramids of Giza and Egypt had such a massive undertaking been attempted. It was and remains one of the largest architectural projects in history. What started as a three-acre, 1.2-hectare site at the beginning of construction in 1632 was, by its completion a whopping 21 years later, a 42-acre, 17-hectare plot, complete with tomb, mosque, a large garden, a guesthouse, a wall, and a reflecting pool. Most breathtaking of all these is, arguably, the mausoleum itself, surmounted with a spectacular marble onion dome, so named for its shape, topped with decorative spires, a magnificent arched entryway adorned with Arabic calligraphy, and surrounded on all sides by four minarets which a muezzin, or Muslim cleric, would use to call faithful Muslims to prayer. But the focal point, the heart and soul of the Taj Mahal, are the tombs of both Mumtaz and Shah Jahan. Upon its completion in 1653, the emperor ordered the relocation of Mumtaz's body from its former residence at the Pleasure Garden at Zainabad to its final resting place within the mausoleum itself. Five years later, when Shah Jahan himself passed away, his body was interred beside hers. 
their grave markers can be found inside the main building, a touching testament of their undying eternal love for one another. In 1983, the Taj Mahal was designated a UNESCO, or United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization World Heritage Site, and, in 2007, was awarded the distinction of being one of the new seven wonders of the world, but it faces threats, namely from humans. Pollution in the form of exhaust and acid rain from the nearby Matura oil refinery has turned the Taj Mahal's once ivory-white marble to yellowish-brown. The Indian government has ordered the reduction of emissions from said refinery, though it continues to fight back. As of now, the Supreme Court of India has set up the Taj Trapezium Zone, or TTZ for short, a 4,000-square-mile, 10,400-square-kilometer area around the landmark where strict emission standards are enforced. Now more than ever, the poet Rabindranath Tagore's plea to, quote, let this one tear drop, this Taj Mahal glisten spotlessly bright on the cheek of time forever and ever, unquote, resonates with a renewed sense of urgency. That self-same Taj Mahal, dreamed up by Shah Jahan to honor and immortalize his undying love for his favorite wife, Mumtaz, was meant to withstand the tests of time. But will it if we keep up such practices? Time, as it always does, will tell. That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tune in next Thursday and every Thursday for a brand new episode of the History Loves Company podcast, because history is shaped by all of us. This is Chester Sakamoto signing off. See you next time.